What's up, everybody, and welcome back to Fireside Giants. I'm your host, Anthony Rivardo, joined by my co-host, Alex Wilson. And here's a fun fact for you guys. I'm going to start this video off with a statistic that's going to make you cringe. The New York Giants have not had a 1,000-yard receiver since 2018. Odell Beckham Jr. in 2018 was the last time a Giants receiver topped 1,000 yards in a single season. Now, that's a disgusting statistic. Five years the Giants have gone without a 1,000-yard receiver. I can't believe that. I mean, I can because watching this Giants offense for the past several seasons has been misery. It's been difficult. And they've clearly been lacking a true bona fide number one receiver. I mean, sure, they had Golden Tate for a couple years. And they do have Darius Slayton. And I really like Darius Slayton. And I think Darius Slayton, for what it's worth, is capable of putting up 1,000 receiving yards. However, a lot of factors have held him back. A lot of factors have really held back the Giants offense in total, whether you're talking offensive line quarterback, the offensive line holding back the quarterback. So many factors at play here. Coaching, obviously a big one. But the New York Giants, man, they need a game-changing weapon. Last offseason, they traded for Darren Waller. We were all really hopeful that that would be that game-changer, that he could be the blockbuster acquisition that finally brings us a 1,000-yard receiver. He couldn't stay healthy, and ultimately... He's never going to reach a 1,000 yards again in a season if he doesn't stay healthy, and now we have major questions as to whether or not that's even possible for him. So now the New York Giants are in a position here. What do they do? How do they find that 1,000-yard receiver? We know a lot of Giants fans, ourselves included, we want to go quarterback in the first round of this draft, but what happens if quarterbacks go off the board 1-2-3 and the Giants don't trade up into those top three spots? Well, then I think you're talking about landing a game-changing wide receiver at the top of this draft, and let me tell you guys, I've been saying it. But I really love this wide receiver draft class. There is so much talent in this class. I know Marvin Harrison Jr. has been grabbing headlines. He's the number one consensus receiver in this class. If Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't in this class, Malik Neighbors would easily be the consensus number one because he is one of the best wide receiver prospects to come out in recent years, in my opinion. And that's who we're going to be discussing in today's episode because in Daniel Jeremiah's first mock draft of the offseason, for what it's worth, Alex, Daniel Jeremiah, one of my favorite NFL draft analysts, I really respect his work. I think he's very intelligent. He's connected to a lot of front offices, so he usually knows what they're planning on doing by the time the draft rolls around. He has the Giants taking Malik Neighbors with the sixth overall pick in his latest mock draft, his first of the offseason. And I really do like that pick. If the Giants can't land the quarterback, I am all in. I'm putting all my chips into the middle of the table. I'm saying give me Malik Neighbors. So we're going to go ahead and discuss Malik Neighbors, this draft pick for the New York Giants in this mock draft, and what this would mean for this team. You know, if they aren't able to land that quarterback, if they stick and pick it six and all the quarterbacks are off the board that they like what do they do would wide receiver be the right choice maybe they go offensive tackle and how do we feel about Malik Neighbors potentially being that pick that's what we're going to dive into in today's episode but before we do so make sure to leave a like if you do enjoy this episode subscribe to the channel if you are new ring the bell so you don't miss an episode and comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section if you listen to Apple or Spotify please make sure to leave us a five-star review go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants without further ado Alex, how are you doing today, my friend? And what is your reaction to Daniel Jeremiah mocking Malik Neighbors, wide receiver LSU, to the New York Giants in his latest mock draft? Well, guys, I'm doing pretty well, and I'll tell you what right now. If the Giants can't land a star quarterback, a guy with a lead upside, you might as well pivot to a 
elite playmaker that can lock down WR1 for the foreseeable future at a very, very reasonable cost. Malik Neighbors is not a bad consolation prize. You know, he's not Jaden Daniels out of LSU. He's not Caleb Williams or Drake May, but he's certainly a guy that can make an impact on offense. And God knows we need offensive playmakers stat. Um, You know, I I think that right now, and I just broke down Darren Waller's contract and kind of that situation. The Giants, if they pick up the extension, three years, $51 million, it's a lot. And he has a $14.5 million cap hit in 2024 if they pick it up. It elevates to $15.5 million and then to $17.5 million. So, so if you're the if you're the Giants, you have to ask yourselves, can you can you actually trust Darren Waller to stay healthy and be productive when he's 34 years old and having all of these injuries in the past? Is it worthwhile investing that money? Personally, I don't think so. I think you take the out and you reallocate that money elsewhere, especially if you're keen on getting a receiver in the first or second round because, you know, Brian Thomas could be something very solid. There's a lot of good talent in the second round. But if you go Malik Neighbors, this dude is explosive, man. This isn't just a normal receiver. This is a guy with elite, uh, you know, elite agility, elite explosiveness. He's got great hands, downfield qualities, you know, yards after the catch are solid. Um, He had 1,569 receiving yards and 14 touchdowns this past season, averaging 17.6 yards per reception. This is a guy you throw it up and be like, he's coming down with it type of player. You know what I mean? You throw it to him and he's coming away with it. Um, I think if if the Giants want to continue building around Jalen Jones, whatever they do, whoever's playing quarterback, they're going to benefit from having a player like this on the roster. It could be Daniel, it could be somebody else, doesn't matter. Malik Neighbors gives you an option that you can say, I'm throwing it in his direction, and there's a good chance he's catching it. Um, I'm throwing it downfield, there's a good chance he's catching up to it. And, you know, this is that's something that we really haven't had in the past, a well-rounded receiver. Like you said, big fan of Darius Slayton, actually had a, his lowest drop rate in his career this past season at 5.7%. He had a really his best season from an overall perspective they just are kind of doing him dirty because they can't get him the ball enough um and i think that's kind of annoying as a giants fan but also from slayton's perspective i mean he's been frustrated we've seen him pacing on the sideline like yelling at coaches and we've seen him frustrated he's not getting the ball but when the giants incorporate him in their system and their actual game plan he tends to produce um but the, the the reality is that's concerning to me from a perspective of can we actually maximize the wr1 can we maximize malik neighbors we can barely maximize darius slain we can barely maximize wandale robinson you know what is there what proof is there to suggest that we can actually make malik neighbors look like the player he can be that's a concern of mine, you know, and that's really tied to the offensive lines improvement. I think it's tied to the quarterback position, and I certainly think it's tied to the scheme that we operate out of, um, and I don't know if Mike Kafka is going to be here next season, but look, having a WR1 like this, having a player like Neighbors that's coming off a ridiculous season, he is an NFL-ready talent. Like you said, if Marvin Harrison Jr. wasn't there, he'd be the consensus WR1 in this draft class, I do think that he has the capacity to be something truly special. Um, and it's certainly a good consolation prize. If we end up with drafting Malik Neighbors, I'm not going to be upset. Some people you know, may be upset. I, you know, Of course, I have my preferences for where we want to go, but I do think that he is very special, and, and I would be interested to see what the Giants could do with a talent like that. Yeah, and I'll dive a little bit deeper on Malik Neighbors, talk about some of the stats that might get Giants fans excited here. These are from Pro Football Focus. He had a 93.1 receiving grade this past season, among the top in all of college football. He had 3.64 yards per route run, which was also among the top. His drop rate was 5.3%. His contested catch rate was around the middle with 45.5%. But here's the grade of all the PFF grades that really excites me. 90.7 overall grade versus man coverage. And so when you put on the tape and you watch, 
watch Malik Neighbors play, you see an elite route runner and elite separator. So that's why when you were asking that question, Alex, and you were saying, could the Giants get the most out of a guy like Malik Neighbors? Could they put him in position to succeed? I think that no matter where he goes, Malik Neighbors is going to put himself in position to succeed because he's such a damn good route runner and an elite separator that whoever's facing off against him, he has a matchup advantage more often than not. Very rarely will he go up against a cornerback that can just lock him down one-on-one in man coverage. I mean, he's just so good. You're manning up against Malik Neighbors, you are asking yourself to get burned because he is just such a great route runner. And so I think that's where he really makes his money, and that's why he could succeed even with the New York Giants team that maybe doesn't have a good offensive line, maybe doesn't have the most decisive quarterback. But when you have a receiver who's facing man coverage and is just getting wide open and quickly separating those quick releases, those quick, I'm open within the first second of the play, that's what really makes a difference. And that's why Malik Neighbors could be so impactful, even in the Giants' broken-to-crap offense. I even think Malik Neighbors could find success just because he is such a good route runner. So I like to look at him as a DJ Moore, Chicago Bears wide receiver, formerly with the Carolina Panthers. I've done a lot of discussions on Malik Neighbors before. I've got a solo channel. I did a whole breakdown on him on there in a wide receiver draft class ranking video. And I had a conversation with someone. We were talking about uh, Malik Neighbors, and we were saying, this guy looks like... One of two players, you could say he maybe looks like DJ Moore, who I think that's his perfect comp. You could even say OBJ, and I think that's going to get a lot of Giants fans excited. I know obviously the LSU connection there and similarity obviously stands out, um, but when you look at route running and ability to make pretty incredible catches, I think you see that OBJ kind of shade in um, Malik Neighbors. But I really like the comparison to DJ Moore because DJ Moore, Panthers and the Bears, we all know him. Great route runner, has a big body, he's strong, has good size to his frame, so he can make those contested catches, but he's also really good after the catch, and I think that's an underrated aspect to Malik Neighbors' game. He gets himself open, he makes the catch, and then he's able to scamper for quite a few yards after that, which is an element of the Giants' offense that seems to be missing. I think that they have some guys who can make some plays after the catch. You know, Wandale Robinson, they like to give him handoffs, screens here and there, right? But when you're talking about running a 15-yard route, catching the ball 20 yards downfield, and then adding an extra 20 yards on top of that, who on the Giants offense can do that? I don't see too many players, and I think that's where Malik Neighbors would make such a big difference because, yeah, I like Darius Slayton. He'll hit on a few deep catches, right? But how often is he catching a 30-yard pass and then turning it into a 60-yard pass? You know, unless it's just right over the top and he's got someone burned and he's running on a straight line like he did against the Eagles. Sure, but I'm talking like catching it in the middle of the field in a congested area, making a few guys miss and finding extra yardage. The Giants don't have anyone that does that. They could if they were to draft Malik Neighbors, and I think that's one of those things that's been missing from the Giants' offense for several seasons. One of the things that, of course, Odell Beckham Jr. brought to this offense is he would make a difficult catch, and he would turn it into an even bigger gain than what it appeared to be when he made the catch, because he's such a good route runner and also good after the catch. So that's why I really do like Malik Neighbors. Again, I really like his size. I like his speed combo, the blend that he has there with those two traits. He's six foot, 200 pounds, but he's well-built. And again, he's just such a good separator. I always think that route running and separation is paramount for rookie wide receivers. That's how they really develop, and those are the players that find the most instant success in the NFL and Malik Neighbors being maybe the best route runner in this draft class that bodes well for his NFL future and that's where I say if the Giants can't land the quarterback as you guys know I want them to in the first round Malik Neighbors would be my number one non-quarterback target for this team he makes a lot of sense for the scheme one of those separators who can get quick wins at the line of scrimmage 
if you even think back to this offense that Brian Dable was running with the Buffalo Bills with Josh Allen, that offense was one thing, and then it was another one that got Josh Allen a quick separator in Stephon Diggs, a really good route runner, about six foot, 200 pounds like Malik Neighbors, who gets you quick wins, catches the ball, makes plays after the catch. That's what Stephon Diggs did to the Bills offense to allow the Josh Allen breakout. Malik Neighbors could have a similar effect on the New York Giants offense being a dominant, hopeful 1,000-yard receiver that can really help these quarterbacks take a lot of pressure off their shoulders and get them to play better um, and also mask some of the deficiencies of the offensive line. So, Alex, yeah, I'm really high on Malik Neighbors. If this is the pick for the Giants, I won't be complaining. I will be disappointed that they didn't get a quarterback because I do want them to draft one. But if it's not possible, if all the quarterbacks are off the board that I like or that the Giants like and they go with Malik Neighbors, Zero complaints from me. I think he would be an excellent selection. But I do want to talk about this mock draft a little bit further, Alex, because when you're looking at Daniel Jeremiah's mock draft, you had Caleb Williams number one, Drake May number two, Jaden Daniels off the board at number three. So that doesn't leave the Giants with any of the top quarterbacks to draft. But then he has the fourth pick, fifth pick, and sixth pick, all being wide receivers. Marvin Harrison Jr., Romo Dunze, and then Malik Neighbors. Now, I think that's a really interesting scenario to kind of discuss here is if all of those quarterbacks are off the board, And then the wide receiver run starts happening, right? Like, where do the Giants go if they're not able to get that quarterback? Do you think that wide receiver is the best bet here? Do you think a guy like a Malik Neighbors, maybe even a Romo Dunze, if you want to touch on him and discuss him, he's also a stud, big fan of him out of Washington. Um, But I know that there's a lot of needs on this Giants team, wide receiver being one of them. But on the seventh pick in this mock draft, Joe Alt, offensive tackle. I'm curious to know, like, what happens if the New York Giants aren't able to land any of those top three quarterbacks? And as a way to round out this question, Alex, do you think that a trade down could be a potential option here? I mean, look, if you're the Giants and you are looking at the draft and saying to yourself, we can't land a quarterback, you might. And, 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 you know, I mean. It's tough. Like passing on Malik Neighbors would be very difficult to justify unless you had a really good player that you could trade down, maybe get another second round pick for, and that you think has equal value but at the same or a different position. You know, the draft the draft board, every team is different. I think the Giants certainly could have some guys that are similarly graded. And if they're like, we can get this guy at, you know, I don't know, 15 or 10. Uh, we move back a couple spots, get another second round pick, and then you can address multiple spots with pretty valuable draft capital. Like that's that's another way to build the team. Um, I just don't think it's like you need impact players in the league. You know what I mean? You need you you can't risk an impact player um, when you have an opportunity to get one. That's why I'm so high on the guys like Jaden Daniels or you know whether it's Caleb. Like these guys are impact players, um, and they can change the course of an organization, change the course of a franchise long term. But Malik Neighbors, look like I, like I said. If we end up drafting a receiver with that much upside, am I going to be upset? No. Am I going to wonder how the hell we're getting him to maximize his potential? <clears throat> Absolutely. I think that's more of a reasonable argument to make. <clears throat> Excuse me. But the the actual reality of the situation is that the Giants lack quality and talent at like four or five different key positions, right? I think that quarterback certainly lacks talent. I'm not saying Daniel Jones is a bad quarterback, but I don't think we're winning a championship with him. Um, I think that right now Saquon Barkley is going to be a free agent. You know, running back behind him, we really don't have anything. Um, at wide receiver, we don't have a bona fide WR1. You know, at pass rusher, we're lacking another guy alongside Kayvon. You know, we're, we're lacking a CB2 now. McKinney might be leaving. We might be lacking, you know, safety. How about our offensive line? Like, we have a lot of weaknesses on this team. Um, and I And I think that if you have a chance to plug a lot of those spots with 
valuable draft capital in the first two rounds, it's not a bad opportunity to try and do that. Reset, you know, get a lot of youth into your team. You don't have any bad contracts bogging you down right now, um, especially if you take the Allen Wallers deal, and you just reset with youth. The Giants had, what, the second youngest team in football this past season? They could get even younger and just really hit reset on the whole foundation, and then coach those guys up, and then, you know, try to get that quarterback as the last piece. Um, as you as you could probably tell, like, there's other teams doing something similar. Um, I, I wonder, you know, Texans kind of avoided that. They Honestly, CJ Stroud elevated everybody, but, like, the Jets did that. Like, they, they built up the whole team and then went and got the quarterback as the last piece. Didn't work out because Rodgers got hurt, but, like, it, it does, it is a strategy that some teams do try to implement if they do hit on their draft capital, but you know, passing, like, we made this mistake before. We passed on, you know, we talked about this right before the podcast started, passed on Rashawn Slater, passed on Micah Parsons to get Kadarius Tony in a moot in a trade back. I think if you have a chance to land an elite talent that can make an impact on day one with no risk, I think you make that move personally. I agree. And you kind of argued both sides of the point there because you said adding a bunch of talent on this team, filling out as many holes as you can, and then plugging the quarterback in. I would say that trading down is a really good way to do that. You bring in more draft capital, you get more young players, you build the team with a really young and solid foundation. So that would be the argument for trading down. However, looking back on that draft class, I think it was 2021 when the Giants moved down to draft Kadarius Tony instead. I mean, that one still gives me nightmares because you guys know, if you've been watching this channel since then, I was so high on Micah Parsons. I said he would be an All-Pro within his first two seasons. He was an All-Pro as a freaking rookie. He was dominant. He's such a good football player, and I saw that one coming a mile away, and I think most teams did, and the New York Giants had an opportunity to draft him at a position of need, too. They needed a pass rusher. They needed an impact defender. Instead, they got a little cute. They traded down. Yes, I praised the trade down at the time because I liked the concept of it, adding more picks. They got a future first-round pick as well. But Micah Parsons, I think the lesson learned from that from that Micah Parsons mishap is when you got a blue-chip elite player on the board there, sometimes it's better not to overthink it and just take that player. Because Micah Parsons is better than Kadarius Toney, Evan Neal, and probably three other players combined. So when you look at it from that perspective, if the Giants are sitting there at number six overall and they have an opportunity to land a player that they believe is a blue-chip elite impact player, maybe that's Malik Neighbors. I think you just got to take that player, stick and pick and get him. Don't get cute and trade down and forego the opportunity to get what could be a sure thing at the next level. So I think that I'm in the same boat as you, Alex. If quarterback isn't the move, if they can't get the guy that they want at that position and they're sitting there at the sixth overall pick and there's a blue chip prospect sitting there, I think you got to take that blue chip prospect and then just build out the rest of the roster later. Maybe you trade down in the second round and that's where you add more draft capital. That's also a possibility. It doesn't always have to be a first round trade down. But yeah, I think the Giants need to go ahead and find themselves just a blue chip player. So now before we wrap, Alex, I'm going to throw out another scenario for you here. Um, and this one I think is going to it's going to get you talking. I think you're going to have some particularly interesting opinions on this one. All right, so sixth overall pick. The top three quarterbacks are off the board. Malik Neighbors is the selection for the New York Giants. Fast forward to the second round. A quarterback has fallen. A quarterback who the Giants have been reportedly interested in. And at the top of the second round, they can draft J.J. McCarthy out of Michigan. Are you doing it? Do you think that is a nice consolation prize to missing out on a Caleb or a Drake or a Jaden? Do you think in round two, if he falls that far, and I'm not so sure that he will now, it sounds like his draft stock is rising rather rapidly. It seems like J.J. McCarthy is going to be going in the first round, but every year somebody falls, right? A prospect falls, and for one reason or another, maybe he's too young, too raw of a prospect, he goes into the second round. If that's J.J. McCarthy this year, are you 
eager? Like, is, is this a player that you're jumping for joy? Like, oh my God, I can't believe he fell to the second round. The Giants need to draft him in round two, get that developmental quarterback. Or are you kind of in the boat where, and I know a lot of fans are in this boat where if you're not getting that quarterback in the first round, there's no sense in drafting one at all. Um, I think, you know, my take on J.J. McCarthy, and I've expressed this many times, is that I'm okay spending a second-round pick on him, but not a first-round pick. Um, he's 20 years old, so yes, there, there's a lot to like in terms of his youth. Obviously, he's got some good tools. You know, people, like, think he's... The, the one thing I keep seeing is that he's an elite processor. Um, I don't know if I buy that. And the reason because... The reason is simple. He doesn't throw the ball enough to prove to me he's an elite processor on every down, elite processor in a passing attack. Um, he ran an offense that you know, almost had more rushing yards than passing yards last season. He threw for 140 yards in the national championship game. People will say that J.J. McCarthy is a winner and then completely ignore the fact that you know the offensive line was elite. Their defense is elite. You know They have some good talent there in Michigan. Obviously, they won a national championship with barely passing the freaking football. Like Keep in mind that this is a team sport. It's not just a single play. Player. Um, I'm not saying JJ McCarthy is bad. I'm saying he needs a lot of time. He needs a couple of years to get you know that amount of experience under his belt where we can trust him. Do the Giants have that much time to wait? You know what I mean? JJ McCarthy is not a starting NFL quarterback next season, in my opinion. Maybe some people disagree, but I think most people would say he needs a little bit of work. Second round pick, I'm okay taking a flyer. My only my only concern is that I don't know if Joe Shane and Brian Dable have a have a couple years to offer JJ McCarthy developmental time. You know, they need to win now. Their jobs are on the line in 2024. So if they're if they're drafting a, a quarterback who they have to develop for multiple years before he can be a starter, someone like a Jordan Love or someone, you know, that needs that that time to really get used to the NFL speed and physicality and get more experience and, you know, gain a maturity, I think that ultimately the Giants don't have that time to give. So from that perspective, I think, you know, it doesn't sound like the right idea for, for our coaching staff right now. If we were in a different scenario, I could totally see it and I could support that notion. But I think if you miss out on a quarterback in the first round, um, it's going to be tough to have the time to develop a player like McCarthy. But if we do take him in the second round, I'm okay. I'm fine taking a flyer. We have two second round picks. I'm fine taking an opportunity on a player like that with that the type of tools he has with the upside. Uh, but again, spending a top twenty pick, even if we move back to twenty, I'm not comfortable taking him. I think the the biggest faller in this draft class is going to be Michael Penix. Personally, I think that he's probably dropping to the mid second round at this point. People just aren't seeing it with him. I never did personally. Some people like him, but he lacks mobility. The injury history is there, and when people you know people are going to start saying, "Well, he hasn't been injured in you know a couple years," and yet, but guys, like he said, two ACL tears. He got banged up during the national championship game. Like. You put him behind this giant, you know, you talk about the offensive line for the Giants, Michael Penix is going to be the next victim of that unit if you put him behind that unit. And, like, you know, if you're scared of Jaden Daniels, who has basically no injury history, if you're scared of anybody else, you should definitely be scared about the guy who's had two ACL tears. So, like, that's kind of my take on it if you're a Michael Penix fan. Um, I'd rather take a flyer on J.J. McCarthy personally because I think he's younger, you know, healthier, and the upside is certainly there. And um, ultimately, you know, a guy that might fit our system, but... I mean, I'm still going to leave out hope that we're going to land one of those top quarterbacks. Highly doubted at this point. I think that the Bears are taking Caleb Williams, and we're kind of out of luck on that front. But you, know, you never know. The draft is a crapshoot, so anything could happen. Anything could happen, so I'm not going to rule out the possibility of the Giants getting their guy. I mean, we've we've seen rumors. We've read reports. The Giants are intent on drafting a quarterback is what some reports say. Other reports say they're intent on sticking with Daniel Jones and building around him. We'll see. There's still a lot of time, four months until the NFL draft. Who the hell knows what's going to happen? But, you know, if the Giants miss out on one of those top prospects, um, I think 
it's worth considering going after a J.J. McCarthy in round two if he's available. Uh, I personally don't view him as a first-round prospect, but there is something to be said about a 20-year-old quarterback who won a national championship, has a really strong arm. Like, he could throw the ball. Like, he is very accurate, and he does throw with a lot of strength and power. So I think that he's a good player with some good tools, but again, a lot of question marks there. I'll comment quickly on what you said about uh, Michael Penix Jr., I wouldn't be shocked if there's numerous NFL teams that completely take him off of their draft board because of red flags with medical history. Teams do that. They'll look at a player and say, yeah, he's great. I'll never draft him because of his injuries. I think that's a possibility with Michael Penix Jr. because of those two torn ACLs. Uh, of course, I'm, I'm speculating there, but we'll see once it gets to draft season. I don't think he's going to be a first-round quarterback prospect. Stranger things have happened, so it's possible. Uh, but I don't think that this is a guy that the New York Giants are going to be interested in drafting either. One thing you do have to keep in mind, the Giants have a great franchise left tackle. I think they're going to want to continue to maximize the blindside protection of Andrew Thomas. And I don't think they're going to want to risk a left-handed quarterback going in there and getting eaten alive by Evan Neal's deficiencies. So I think that's something that you do have to keep in mind for the Giants. Michael Penix Jr. might not make a ton of sense because he's left-handed and the Giants have a really bad right tackle situation. Uh, But J.J. McCarthy is a really good player who played behind a good offensive line with a good rushing attack. Maybe he makes sense for the Giants. I'm not so sure. But one thing that I do know, guys, if the Giants don't draft a quarterback in the first round, Malik Neighbors would be my number one target. So I'm glad that we got to sit down and kind of discuss the idea of them drafting him, Alex. I'm sure we'll discuss him more and more as we get closer to draft season. But having Daniel Jeremiah, an analyst that I really like, project Malik Neighbors to the Giants in his first mock draft of the offseason, interesting, very exciting. And we'll see what happens. I mean, like you said, you think the Giant or the, the Bears are going to go ahead and um, draft Caleb Williams first overall. I'm still kind of leaning in the boat that they're going to end up drafting or sticking with Caleb Williams and trading that first round pick, but we'll see. I, it's going to be interesting. The Bears are really the team to watch this offseason, whether you're a Bears fan, a Giants fan, a Washington fan, New England fan, whatever fan you are. The future of the NFL right now kind of hinges on the Chicago Bears and what decision they decide to make with that first overall pick. So it's an interesting offseason. It's going to be really, really fun um, to discuss what's going to go down in this draft season. And I can't wait for it. I'm really, really thrilled to be talking about some of these draft prospects already. I love draft season. And of course, we're going to continue to update you on any other significant mock drafts or changes in the Giants rumors and all the prospects and everything else regarding the New York Giants right here on Fireside Giants. So make sure to leave a like if you do did enjoy this episode. Subscribe to the channel if you are new. Ring the bell so you don't miss an episode. Comment your thoughts on the topics down below in the comment section. If you listen to Apple or Spotify, please make sure to leave us a five-star review and go ahead and follow us on all of our social media channels at Fireside Giants. Without further ado, we'll catch you on the next one. Have a good one and let's go Giants.